Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. The title of this message this morning is, In the Valley of Disappointment. In the Valley of Disappointment. And, uh, you know, when this past week, when I received the call that Brother Tommy had passed away, I... I was shocked in a sense, not because I didn't know that there was a possibility of that, but because I had expected, I had prayed for, I had believed for something different than what had been realized. And you know, I think one of the things that's so important to understand is that as believers, those who've said yes to Jesus and are in a relationship with the Lord, you know, we have this constant reminder, and if you've been a part of CFA for any amount of time, you know I'm a pastor who preaches and believes that we live by faith and not by sight. It doesn't mean that we pretend that there aren't. Uh, it doesn't mean that we pretend that there aren't troubles or there, are, there aren't difficulties or there aren't um, unexpected in our life. It doesn't mean that we just pretend that those are non-existent. But that it means when we're faced with those, that we look to what the Word of God says. We stand on the Word of God. We believe the Word of God. We pray the Word of God, and we refuse to back down from that until we see the fulfillment of the Word of God in our lives. And when it comes to living by faith, faith being, as Hebrews 11.1 1 says, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and understanding that as we live by faith, there are moments, there are times, there are seasons in our life where it will not look like we had expected where it will not look like what we had hoped for, where things will not happen the way that we had, the way that we had intended or wished or intended that they would. But it does not change the fact that the Word of God or the promises of God are still set in stone. You know, one of the things that the Lord took me to in, in Brother Tommy's life, and I shared this if you were here for his funeral or if you watched online with us this past Thursday, you know, I shared that verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 13, and all these died having yet received the promise, but having seen it afar off and being convinced, believing that the promise was for them. They, they continued to fulfill the ultimate plan of God in their lives. Friends, death is not the end for the church. Death is not the end for your life. Death is not the end for us as believers. It's the beginning of the fulfillment of God's plan. If you read to the end of the book, we win. If you read to the end of the book, we win. But I'm convinced that when we find ourselves in a place where God has not answered us in the way that we had expected... When God did not answer us in the way that we had prayed, when God has not answered us in the way that we had hoped, it's in that moment that our lives are overwhelmed with disappointment. It's those moments in our lives where we feel defeated, where we feel as if God has not answered, as if God has not responded, as if God has not moved in those moments. And I want to tell, I want to remind every single one of us this morning, having those feelings is okay. Having those feelings is fine, but listen to me, having those feelings and staying in that place will only rob you of the promise and of the purpose and of the power of the Word of God in your life. Taking those feelings to the Lord is where God begins to take the disappointments in our life and the unexpected in our lives, and He begins to do something miraculous in fulfilling His plan, in fulfilling His purpose, and fulfilling His promise in our life. The promise of all promises is this, that we do not have to pay the penalty of sin, which is death. 
The promise of all promises is this, that there is nothing in or out of this world that can separate us from the love of God that we find in Jesus Christ our Lord. That even in death, we experience victory because of the fulfillment of God's word and his promises in our life. So it's when we find ourselves in the valley of disappointment, when we find ourselves in a place of feeling as if we were defeated, that we remind ourselves of what God's word has said, and we let the Holy Spirit wrap us in his arms of love. We let the Holy Spirit bring healing that only heaven can bring, healing that can only restore, healing that can only refresh, healing that only can renew, So that we remind ourselves, that we are reminded through the Holy Spirit, reminding ourselves through the Word of God, that we are more than conquerors. That we are more than victorious. That even in our sorrow, even in our grief, even in our pain, we still have a reason to worship. We still have a reason to praise. We still have a reason to continue pressing on, fighting the good fight, running our race with perseverance, as the word says. Because we know that these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. I'm thankful that this life is only temporary. I said, I'm thankful that this life is only temporary. I'm thankful that the current state of our world is not the forever final destination of my life. I'm thankful that there is a place that God is preparing, that Jesus has gone to prepare for you and I, that when we say yes to the salvation of his love, that it's not only that we have his presence in our life every single day, that we have his presence in our life in the valley of disappointment, his presence in the, in the valley and in the trials of the unexpected, But that hope of knowing that, as Paul said, whether I live or whether I die, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Because what Jesus has sealed for me, what Jesus has sealed for you, far outweighs anything in this world. Any hope or longing fulfilled in this world, there is nothing in comparison to the fulfillment of God's plan, of God's purpose, and of God's will. In our lives, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our grief, in the valley of disappointment, there are some things that we need to remember. And and I want to say this before I share these four realizations with you this morning, things four things that we need to realize in the valley of disappointment. Before I share that, I want to share this, this very first thing. Number one is this the valley is a process. (laughs) The valley is a journey. Anybody who's walked through grief will tell you that it is a journey. It's not something that happens overnight. Uh, the, thing that I tell, the thing that I tell families all the time in the middle of grief, and that I remind, have reminded myself over and over again, is that grief is like a wave. <laughs> there are waves that are bigger and stronger than others. There are days where it's one right after the next, and there are some where there is space in between. But it is a process of healing and a process of time that goes through. The same is true in traveling through the valley. <laughs> The valley of the unexpected, the valley of disappointment, the valley of uncertainty, it is a process that we walk. Listen, this whole life is a process from beginning to end. But it's a, it's if, we, if we walk according to the word and we walk according to the promise of what God has said, we position ourselves to reap the promise and the fulfillment of God's purposes in our life. The enemy loves to use disappointment to keep you and I in the valley. To keep you and I from ever experiencing the fulfillment of God's word and his promises in our lives while we're walking through this journey. 
to keep you and I from ever experiencing the revelation and the transformation and the power of God bringing forth the fulfillment of His Word and His promise. To keep you and I from functioning as God has called you and I to function as the body of Christ and as the church. Because if He can do that, then ultimately what happens is He he paralyzes us with the fear of the unexpected, with the fear of the unknown, with the weight and the pain of our disappointment, and robs us of what God has called for us, which is life and life more abundantly. In the valley of disappointment, Psalms chapter 34 says this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him, and He delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His holy people, for those who fear Him lack nothing." For those who fear Him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just continue to speak to us through your word today as only you can. Holy Spirit, I pray that in this place and in homes and places of every person that's joining us online today, that your presence would just overwhelm. God, I pray for those that may be in the valley of disappointment today, that Lord, you would lift up their head, that God, you would cover them, Lord, with your presence, that you would surround them with your love today, that Lord, you would remind them from your Holy Spirit, God, that you are our healing, that you are our refuge, that you are our sanctuary, that you are our safe place in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the valley, in the midst of uncertainty, that in you is healing, in you hope is restored, in you joy is renewed. God, in you we have the truth of the promise, the promise of eternal life with you. God, I pray today that healing would flow in each and every heart, in each and every life, in each and every body of each person that is hearing the word of God today. Lord, I thank you that you're healing physical ailments, emotional ailments. God, whatever sickness or disease that has tried to attach itself, Lord, I thank you that healing is flowing right now in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that breakthrough is coming, that salvation is coming, that hope in you is being restored and renewed today. That, God, we are taking your word and coming alive as you have called us to live and experiencing, Lord, the fulfillment of your word and your promises in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. I'm thankful for the word of God because it's in the valley of disappointment that we have this anchor, that we have this rock, that we have this assurance. Because in the valley of disappointment, the enemy does whatever he possibly can 
to ultimately defeat and ultimately deter the fulfillment of God's plan of His purposes and His promises in our lives. The enemy does not want you or I to ever make it out of the valley of disappointment. The enemy wants you and I to give up in the valley of disappointment. There's no, there's no greater time in our lives that we feel like giving up than when we are disappointed with the outcome of something. And we can take that from, from one of the greatest depths of disappointment to even some of the lightest depths of disappointment in our lives. If we are disappointed, there is a part of us that does not feel like continuing to pursue whatever it is that we were pursuing after that moment. Uh, you know, I, I can think of I can think of several examples of of times where I've been you know disappointed with the outcome. And the deal is this: is that disappointment is attached to the emotion or the feeling of what we're experiencing in that moment. It's important for us as the church to realize that we cannot disregard our feelings or emotions, because those feelings or emotions are letting us know that something is out of balance, that something is out of alignment with what God has intended or what God has purposed for our lives. And if we will shift ourselves into a place with the Lord of addressing those things with God. I, you know, I shared at the funeral this week, I said, you know, if we take the pain or the frustration or the questions of why to the Lord, God is not moved by our questions. God is not moved by our emotions. The Psalms, if you go through the Psalms, time and time again, you will see where the psalmist is crying out to God, sharing how he feels, sharing how they feel based on the situation or the circumstance, based on what's happening. God, I feel surrounded and as if you have abandoned me. God, I feel defeated as if you have failed me. But in all of it, you will look, and time and time again, you will see that in that moment of sharing the frustration, the disappointment, the grief or the sorrow, the pain, the uncertainty, the feelings or emotions that were there, there was always worship that was attached with it. And it's because there's something that happens when you and I take what we are currently feeling or what we are currently facing and we bring it before the Lord because it's in that place that we experience a shift from the Lord, a shift from what God has said in our life that brings about the healing, that brings about the assurance, that brings about the hope that we need to continue fighting for the promise. I'm thankful today that I am not living for what this world can offer me. I'm thankful today that I'm not living for what I can get out of this life. It's why Jesus said what he said in Matthew chapter 6, store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot get in, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Why? Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When we stop living for what we can attain or what we can reach on this earth and start living for eternity, it's the moment that we are freed from the lies of the enemy that tell us when it doesn't happen the way we thought it would. When it doesn't look like the way that we thought it ought to look like and it doesn't turn out the way that we thought it ought to turn out. That even in those moments that God's plans are still good and that he is still faithful because at the end of the day the enemy is defeated. Because at the end of the day, he's still on the throne and he's still on control. It's why we can look at the state of our world today and ask the church not be moved. It's why we can look at the state of what's happening in our society right now and the effects of this pandemic and as the church, we're not moved. Is there a reason to fear? Sure there is. Is there a reason to be afraid? Most certainly. Is there a reason to be in, 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 a, in a heated argument or a debate with the people that we love and that we care about? Sure there is. But as the church, are we living our lives based on the current state of affairs of our world? Are we living our lives based on the current state 
and affairs of heaven. Because heaven is still fulfilling what Jesus has called and instructed us to do as the church, which is to love one another and to love our neighbor as ourselves. To seek God wholeheartedly and to do so first. To go after God with all that we have. To preach the good news to the world. To let this world know that what it looks like, what it feels like, and what it seems like is not what it is because this is not the end. (laughs) Jesus has come to redeem, to restore, and renew. It's so in that moment, in that realization that we realize that this valley of disappointment, (laughs) that this current state, this current situation that I'm in is not forever. Four things that we need to realize in the valley in our lives. Number one is this, God is my only refuge. (laughs) God is my only refuge. Verse 22 of Psalm 34 says, The Lord will rescue His servants. No one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. In verse number 8, he says, Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. All throughout the Word of God, the, the, the emphasis of God being our refuge cannot be any more uh, plain, any more clear than what it is. 2 Samuel 22.3 says, My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior. From violent people you save me. In Psalm 18:2, it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 62, 7 says, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Psalm 73, 28 says, But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds. Psalm 91, 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. When the world is falling apart around me, when the unexpected happens in my life, when disappointment comes in like a flood, and I find myself in the deepest part of the valley, it's in that moment that I realize that I have a refuge even in the deepest, darkest moments of life, that I have a place, a safe place that I can turn, that I can go to and find my hope restored, my peace renewed, my joy, which is the joy of the Lord, which is my strength, renewed in Him, because it's in Him that I find peace. It's in Him that I realize that there is not a valley that's deep enough, a place that is dark enough, a struggle that is strong enough, a fight that is big enough, that can keep me from his love or from his presence. It's the reminder that I have from Romans chapter 8 that there is nothing in this world or out of this world that can separate me from him. So when I don't have the answers and I don't understand why and I don't know I can run to the refuge. I can run to the rock. I can run to my firm foundation and say Jesus I don't know but I trust you. (laughs) Jesus, I don't know, but I know you have an answer. God, I know you have the plan. And though I can't see it and I can't understand it, I know that you are good. (laughs) I know that you don't fail in your word and I know that you don't fail in your promises. You're faithful and you're true. In the valley of disappointment, I have to realize, I have to realize that God is my only refuge. The world will only add to the weight of my disappointment. The solutions of the world will only further drive me away from the truth, from the healing, from the hope, and the security that I need, which is only found in Him. 
The Word of God is the only thing. The presence of God is the only thing. Talking to God is the only thing that will see me through the valley. And when I turn to Him, I find the strength, the hope, the peace that I need. Secondly, I need to realize in the valley, number two, this valley is not my destiny. This valley is not my destiny. First Peter chapter 1, 3 through 9, I quoted it just a moment ago. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him, and even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, I can't help but think about, I I preached about two weeks ago, I preached about the test. And I just want to say thank you, Austin, for preaching the Word last week, bud. You did a great job, and I appreciate you stepping in. Had the honor and privilege of a lifetime to get to preach for... Uh, my pastor, our former pastor in Cabot last Sunday, and so that's where I was. I wasn't, I wasn't watching online. I did later, but uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't on vacation. I was preaching for him, and um, I, I was sharing a message that the Lord had shared with us the week prior about this is only a test, and I didn't get it the first week, so I had to preach it the second week so that I could get it. And uh, and I, I was sharing up there, and, and you know, it was, it was uh, one of those things, <laughs> we, we got into, they have two services uh, there at Cabot in order to have their socially distanced space that they have to have, and so we had gotten through the first service of, or in the first service we'd gotten through worship, and after the last song was sang, and pastor had gone up uh, to, to make a couple of announcements uh, before they, they were doing their pastor appreciation that Sunday, and so he had asked me to come and preach, and so I'd gone, and they were getting ready to do that part of the service, and the power went out. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if I'm responsible for a service and the power goes out, you know, there's all of a sudden this, this moment of, okay, well, we've got to do something to try to get it back. Well, they had two services that were planned that morning, the one that we were currently in, another one that was immediately following, and there was no power. So they, he thought that maybe it was some breakers that were out. Well, it turned out there was a huge chunk of Cabot that was completely out of power. On Sunday morning, and I leaned over to Megan and I said, "I said uh, my message this morning is this is only a test." And she leaned over to me and she said, "She said everyone's going to think this is your fault." <laughs> and I said, "It's not. I didn't cut the power. I, you know, I don't have somebody that's out there cutting the lines to make sure that we can't." I was like, "It's it. It's not. Uh, it, it wasn't an intended thing." But you know, it was in that moment. One of the things that I loved is that in that moment, nothing changed. You know, it wasn't, it was totally unexpected. It was totally unplanned. There, there was no backup plan. I mean, there was the little bit of emergency lights that were there, but we didn't stop. <laughs> we didn't stop. We moved right ahead with the service. They honored their pastors. I preached. We prayed. 
We, they dismissed, they got ready for the second service, and we started worship, still no power. So they ran a, an extension cord from a converter out there, and, and uh, Megan's keyboard, she played. They pulled the drums out of the cage, and the drummer lightly played behind, and the worship team sang. And the presence of Jesus was so incredible in that place. You know, and I was standing there in that moment, and I thought, even in the midst of the test, even in the midst of the unexpected, he's still there. He never leaves. He's always there. And what, what is our response to that moment? We continue pressing on until the fulfillment of his promise, until the fulfillment of his plan. We just continue to worship. We just continue to seek. We just continue to praise. We just continue to preach. We just continue to love. We just continue to serve. It's in that moment. It's what our response is. Why? Because God's plan, God's promise, God's word, God's purpose continues to be fulfilled regardless of the enemy's attempts. Regardless of the enemy's attempts, regardless of the enemy's assaults, this valley is not my destiny. This test, this trial, this storm that I'm going through, this is not the end for me. You know, I think about Brother Tommy's life. He never once stopped. He never once stopped believing in the Word of God. And I preached that this past, this past Thursday at his, at his service. Unwavering faith. He never stopped believing. He never stopped praying. He never stopped preaching. He never stopped serving. He was in the test, the trial, the storm of a lifetime. 20 years, he never stopped standing on the Word of God. And the reality is, he is healed. He is whole. He is 110% completely restored in the fulfillment of God's word and his promise. He has received the inheritance, the promise of God in his life. It wasn't the way that we expected. It wasn't the way that we thought. And we're faced, those of us that are left behind with the grief of not having him here and the disappointment of that. But it's in that moment that I realize that even in this valley, this is not the end. There is coming a day where I will join him and all those who have gone before me in the place with the King of kings and the Lord of lords that he has prepared where I will worship with the saints of God and experience the fulfillment of God where there will be no more sickness, where there will be no more sorrow, where there will be no more sin, where the enemy no longer has any authority because he will forever be defeated and the full, the full plan of God, the full promise of God will be fulfilled. So it's why in this valley of disappointment and even in the sorrow and the grief I will remind myself that this valley is not my destiny that this trial, that this storm that this difficulty is not my final place, that I don't have to spend forever here but there is coming a future promise in the fulfillment of God's word where I will experience everything that God has said, everything that God has promised, everything that God said he would fulfill this valley is not my destiny. I have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Man, I look forward to heaven all the more. I, you know, I just I, I can't help but think about what it's going to be like in that place where the enemy has no authority. Thirdly, in the valley of disappointment, I have to realize that valleys are vital to his victory. Valleys are vital to his victory. And I, I had originally wrote that down as valleys are vital to my victory, but the reality is, is my victory is in Jesus. And I think one of the things that we have the hardest time with and that we struggle with the most is that we, 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 sometimes, we sometimes become such contenders for the promise or the plan of God in our lives, and we personalize that so much that when it doesn't happen the way that we thought it would, or it doesn't manifest in the way that we expected, that disappointment sets in because we forget that the valley that the valley is not, is not just about me. 
It's not just about me. The valley is just not about me. And, the, and I think there was no greater example of that for us than as in the Apostle Paul or in the disciples that followed after Jesus. Because the deal is, is they always followed the Lord and responded in obedience to what God said. And it positioned them in places that they did not expect that they would be in. But it never deterred them from continuing to worship from continuing to give God glory, from continuing to fulfill the plan of what God had set. In the valley of our life, in the valleys of our life, we have to understand that valleys are vital to His victory. There is nothing more powerful than to watch, in my opinion, the response of someone who has experienced the unexpected in such an, 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 an crazy and an, an unrealistic almost doesn't even seem real encounter experience than for them to continue to respond in faith and in confidence of what God's word has said. I look at Paul and Silas when they had gone to preach the word of God and were beaten and humiliated in the town square. You know, my response, my conversation with the Lord would have gone like this. You told me to come here. Anybody else? Like, I was obedient. I did what you said to do. I came where you said, I came where you told me to go. I, I preached to who you told me to preach to. And instead of experiencing the blessings of God and, and the favor of God, I got humiliated and beaten in front of the whole town and then locked in the inner stocks of the prison. And the thing that I love about Paul and Silas's response is instead of personalizing this assault against them as if it were solely against them, they realized it was not them that were being persecuted, it was Jesus. Because there's an understanding and a realization that happens in our lives that when we become children of God, it's no longer personal about us, it's personal about the Lord. Because Ephesians chapter 6, Paul reminds us that that this, this battle, this fight that we're in in the world today, it's not against flesh and blood, it's against powers and principalities of darkness. There's a war that's waging on around us between heaven and hell. And the enemy's doing everything that he can to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. Jesus came so that you and I would realize that this current valley that we're in, this current fight, this current struggle that we're up against, that it's not the end, and that this fight and this battle is about heaven and hell, and that there's nothing that the enemy can do to separate us from the love of God. So if we will realize that he is our refuge, if we'll realize that he is our stronghold, if we'll realize that he is our safe place, if we'll realize that this valley is not our destiny, it's not our final place, it's not the, the fulfillment of what has been said, and we'll realize that this valley is vital to his victory, and we'll trust and rest in the fact that he's the one that's in control and that he's the one who has the final say of our lives, it will free us from carrying a burden that is impossible for us to carry. A weight that is impossible for us to carry. A weight that is impossible for us to live under. Why? Because we understand that valleys are vital to his victories. It's always in the valleys that the battles and, and the wars were fought. If you look throughout the word of God and the number of places that the, that the battles were fought between the children of Israel and their enemies, time and time again you saw it was in the midst of a valley. Battles are fought in the valley. The fight is fought in the valley. And for us, we have to realize that it's in the battles of our life and in the trials and the storms of our life that first and foremost, it's not ours. This battle, this fight is not mine. I know what the Word of God says about my life. 
I know what the Word of God says about every single person who says yes to his salvation and his plan. That there is nothing that the enemy that can do to rob you of the promise or the inheritance of what God has spoken. So this fight, this battle, this struggle that I'm up against, there's something that God is doing strategically to fulfill the promise that he will come, that the enemy will be defeated, and that we will see the plan and the promise and the word of God fulfilled. So I don't understand it fully. My mind can't fully comprehend. I may not have the, the, the full detail of the battle plan of what's taking place, but what I do know is, is that this is not my battle. I'm on assignment from the Lord, and I'm in this season, I'm in this moment, and there's a, there's a decision for me to make in this valley of disappointment, in this valley of, of trial, of testing, of uncertainty in my life, and if I respond according to what God has said, and I respond according to what His promise and His word is for my life, there's a shift that happens and a shift that takes place in how I begin to see and how I begin to respond in the valley. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47 there's a, there's a powerful statement that the future king of Israel makes, and he says, All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. The valleys that God oftentimes leads, that, that we oftentimes find ourselves in, that God is leading us through, are oftentimes for the salvation of someone else to receive the same inheritance that we have that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Listen, I know that's not a popular thing. I know that doesn't give you goosebumps and make you feel good all over. And I'm not trying to, I, I, I'm trying to give you uh, the promise of the word so that in this moment that, that you and I can respond. But it really what happens is, is it frees us to experience the blessing, the promise, the power of the word of our God in our lives that restores our strength, that restores our joy, that restores our hope. It's in the valley of the disappointment that the enemy tries to steal your hope. Because if you can steal your hope, you won't dream, you won't believe, you won't live by faith. And ultimately, you'll remain in a place that God never intended for you to remain, that he intended to bring you through. God's intention is never to leave you in the valley. God's intention is never to leave you in that place of feeling overwhelmed, of feeling defeated a feeling of God's God's whole purpose and if you look from beginning to end in the word of God is all about bringing you out of that bringing you through that and it's in that place where oftentimes our faith is tested where we walk through that moment but we realize that you know what my hope isn't in this victory over this valley, this victory over this battle, this victory over this test. My hope isn't in, in the immediate uh, the immediate response of what my hope is in the Lord. My hope is in Him. He's my refuge. He's my rock. My hope is in Him. And that's the thing that I love about Paul and Silas' response in the prison is they begin to worship God. They begin to sing hymns and praises to the Lord. The last thing my flesh, my earthly response, my natural response to be would be to worship in that moment. I want to speak to the, my manager. <laughs> Right? I want to speak to the person who's in charge. Why in the world am I here? Why in the world am I in this place? And while Paul and Silas may not have been able to see what was coming and be able to see what was happening, ultimately what resulted was a testimony of what God brought them through to a place where they could lead someone else 
into the salvation that he had purposed and that he had intended to experience freedom from the curse of sin and, and receive the eternal promise of what heaven has offered. So in the valley of my life, when I realize that these valleys are vital to God's victory, it frees me to realize that this battle, this fight, this valley that I'm in, it's not mine, it belongs to the Lord. Psalm 23, verse number 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The, the thing I love about the, the, the revelation in Psalms 23.4 is that it's not, it, it's, it, the, the rod represents two things. The rod represents the discipline that God gives, but also the defense mechanism that God uses to protect us in the valley. The shepherd doesn't just use the staff to keep the sheep where they need to be. The shepherd also uses a staff to beat the wolf that's come to attack. The enemy will always come after you in the valley in ways like nothing else. Because it's in that place of disappointment, of defeat, of feeling overwhelmed that the enemy will do everything that he can to keep you from believing that God is who he said he is and that God will do what he said he would do. That God can redeem whatever it is that you or I have lost, whatever it is that we face, whatever we've been up against. Why? Because it's what the enemy does. It's who he is. But it's in the valley that we realize that we are not alone. Why? Because this fight, this battle, this valley is essential to God's victory. I'm simply on assignment from the king in this, in this process. Psalms chapter 23 sums up our last point this morning. And the last point is this. Even in the valley, he preserves us. Even in the valley, he preserves us. Psalm, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love what Psalm 66, verse number 9 says. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. In the darkest moments, in the deepest valleys, in the most unsure of, of circumstances, when we realize that He is our refuge, when we, when we realize that this valley is not our destiny, when we, when we realize that valleys are vital to His victory, when we realize that even in the valley He preserves us, it's in that place that we can find the refreshing, the healing, the protection, the sanctuary that we need. I, you know, I, I, I oftentimes refer to Psalm 23 and to verse number 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that first part of that verse, because I think it's so important for us as the church and as the body of Christ to realize that even in the moments where we feel completely overwhelmed, when we are facing disappointment and we're facing uncertainty, God provides a place for us to enter into his presence and to find the healing, the refreshing, the restoring, the renewing, whatever it is that we need, it's in that moment that He provides the exact nourishment that's essential for us to continue to make it through. Because this life is faced with the unexpected. This life is faced with the uncertain. There are times of grief and sorrow. There are times of uncertainty. There are times of unknown. But I'm thankful to know that the one who knows, the one who has the final say, is the one that is leading me each and every day. 
that is walking hand in hand with me every single moment, that he can handle my burdens, my weights, the things that I pick up, that I can lay them at his feet and find rest, that he can bring me to that place of finding refreshing, of finding revelation, of finding truth from his word that can only come from him, that reminds me that this valley is not the end, that this storm, that this trial is not all there is, but there is a hope that I have that waits in eternity with him. The enemy wants you and I to surrender to disappointment. But I don't know about you, but I'm refusing to surrender my disappointment to anyone other than the one who has called me out of darkness and into light. That is walking with me in the midst of this valley, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of the battle. That is preparing continually for you and I everything that we need. To live each day with the faith, with the hope, with the confidence that He is who He says He is. That He'll do what He said He would do. And that His promises will be fulfilled. In the valley of disappointment, I'm thankful that He's still in control. I'm thankful that He's still in control and that He knows today.